The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Please do not message or call, as the following program is a rerun of a previous live show. Any announcements made during the repeat may now not be applicable. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, my dear brothers and sisters. Welcome to another episode of the Welcome to Islam show. You are tuned in to Inspire FM 105.1. My name is Ismail, and today, inshallah, we'll cover the first part of a three part series entitled Marriage Advice for New Muslims by Muhammad Tim Humble. This work of ours is in collaboration with uh, Islamwise, who um, who organize this um, monthly webinars and you're welcome to check out their YouTube channel as well. Muhammad Tim Humble is a uh, knowledgeable brother in Islam. He's graduated from the University of Medina. He is a Raqi as well and he's also a marriage counselor which makes it relevant for our topic today and he's involved in a few other DAO organizations, including his own non-profit organization called the HumbleFoundation.org. And before we begin, just a note for the listeners, this is not a live show, so uh, we won't be able to take any questions or comments. But if you do have any, you can send us um, a text message or a WhatsApp on our regular studio number. So without further delay, let's uh, go ahead and listen to the webinar. Bismillah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa salatu wa salam Ala abdillahi wa rasulihi nabiyyina Muhammad Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in We begin as always by praising Allah and by sending peace and blessings and salutations upon the Messenger of Allah and upon his family and his companions. I would like to begin, insha'Allah ta'ala, by introducing myself. I'm not sure how many of the people know of me, so I would like to start by introducing myself and also introducing my experience as it relates to this particular topic of marriage that we're going to talk about in the webinar tonight, inshallah ta'ala. So first of all, my name is Muhammad Tim Humble, and I was born Timothy Michael Humble. I was born in Newcastle in the UK. I know we have at least one or two people from Newcastle, from what I can see from the chat uh, that is going on right now. Uh, there's at least one or two people from Newcastle who are watching this. So I was, I was born uh, not far from Newcastle. I moved to Newcastle when I was very young. And at the age of 14 years old, I became Muslim. Uh, obviously, at 14 years old, that was you know, well before the age that I got married. Uh, and so I went through that whole experience of looking to get married and the right person to get married to and eventually getting married and all of that process, I went through it as a new Muslim. Uh, and so I think it's, that's, that's one aspect of myself as a revert and also as somebody who went through the process of getting married as a new Muslim. And also a couple of other things that are probably relevant to the topic. Uh, I'm a marriage counselor. I have been a marriage counselor for certainly the last four years, probably more than that, uh, where I meet people and sort of look at, you know, marriages that need some support. And, and that obviously gives you an insight into, you know, how sort of what the issues are when people go through, or what the issues are that people go through when, they, when they're looking to get married or after they get married. And also I have a number of YouTube lectures on the topic. And because of the time that we have tonight, 
One of the things that I'm not planning on doing is I'm not going to go over all of the information that I've mentioned in previous YouTube videos. So I have a YouTube video called Looking for Love in which I discuss general advice to all Muslims who are looking to get married. That YouTube video, you can find it right away. You just need to type in Muhammad Tim looking for love and it will it'll come right up. Uh, in YouTube, inshallah. So I have a number of YouTube videos and lectures on the topic. You can try typing in Muhammad, Tim, marriage and things like that. And eventually there'll, there'll be quite a number of videos that I've done on the topic or around the topic uh, in the last sort of probably five to 10 years. So that's a little bit about me and a little bit about my perspective coming into this. Uh, it's a topic which is very, very dear to my heart. It's a topic which is very important to me. And I think that the reason we're having this webinar is because reverts go through a very unique experience. And yes, some things are shared with people who were born Muslim and, and everyone looking to get married to a certain extent goes through those experiences. But there are some experiences that are much, much more common to people who have converted to Islam than they are to people who are born uh, Muslim. And it's not to say that people who are born Muslim don't go through that, they do, but it's to say that it's much often less common or less severe or, or less of an issue than it might be for many of the people who revert to Islam. So I really want to keep this, uh, this webinar extremely relevant. And I want to talk about things that are really unique to new Muslims or very common among new Muslims so that inshallah ta'ala can, you know, we can give you something above and beyond what you would get in a normal discussion about Muslims and marriage. A couple of uh, a couple of things that I want to talk about, or I want to set the scene for, sort of, uh, you know, before we start or before we get into the topic. Uh, the first thing uh, that I want to do, the first thing uh, that I want to do is to sort of be focused upon uh, upon more practical sort of answers to situations rather than theoretical. I don't just want to talk about theory. I will talk a little bit about some of the theory and some of the evidences, but I don't want to be sort of, I don't want people to, to log into this webinar and they really want a practical solution to the problem they're going through. And I just, you know, tell them that, you know, you should get married and marriage is really important and marriage is an important part of your religion. And that's it. You know, I want to give you some really practical uh, answers to some of the problems uh, that people face. With regard to Q&A, you have the ability as part of the software that we're using, the Zoom uh, platform, to ask uh, questions through a dedicated Q&A tab. On my Mac, it's at the bottom of the screen. I think on Windows, it might be at the top of the screen, but you have an ability to ask questions. Now, generally, what I will probably do is I will answer most of them towards the end of the seminar. Um, I'm not looking at your chat window actively, so. Uh, the reason for that is obviously that if I'm looking at your at the chat window, I won't be able to talk and look at the chat window at the same time. Um, so instead, I, what I'm going to do, inshallah, is I am going to uh, just focus on the talk. And then towards the end, I'll scroll through the chat window. But for questions, I'm going to specifically use the Q&A feature because that's easier to monitor who asked questions and what have I answered and things like that. That being said, uh, I would like to begin with some general advice that I give to all new Muslims. And I actually work in a center that's dedicated uh, to new Muslims. I actually work with two centers that are dedicated to, uh, to new Muslims. And these two centers in Dubai that are dedicated to new Muslims, whenever I meet with a new Muslim, I always, give these three or four pieces of advice. Let's just call them general tips for success that I believe that every new Muslim needs, 
regardless if we're talking about marriage or anything else, but if we have a, a, a huge number of, of new Muslims on the webinar tonight, then I definitely want to give across this advice that I would give generally uh, to everybody on this topic. So I basically have four things that I think a new Muslim needs to survive. And they're applicable in marriage. They're applicable in your daily life. They're applicable in anything. And really, it's, it's, a, it's a case of experience. It's a case of having looked at so many new Muslims and helped so many people through the early stages of their becoming Muslim that I just wanted to sort of highlight the four things that I think if you do them, you'll be successful. You'll be okay. And if you don't do them, this is where the danger crops up or this is where people go wrong. So they are only four things. And I'm not going to say they're the only four, but in my mind, they're the four most important. The first one is continuously seeking knowledge. When you come into Islam, for most people, you come into Islam a bit like a new baby, a newborn baby. You know, you don't really know a lot about what's going on. You don't really know a lot about what you're supposed to do. You might have got some of the general ideas, some of the principles, some of, you know, few ideas here and there, but you have a lot to learn. And continuous learning means that you don't just learn for the first day or the first week or the first month, but every day you try to learn something new about Islam. Knowledge is one of the greatest weapons that you can have. And one of the things that you can use to be able to, with the help of Allah, get yourself out of any problem that you're in and any difficulty that you face. Having knowledge is like the difference between someone who is alive and someone who is dead. So ultimately, for me, continuously learning, this is one of the things that, like one of my call them the vital signs that I look for in a new Muslim. If I see that there is a new Muslim that is continuously learning and every day they're learning something new, that's the first thing that I believe that that person's going to be okay. The second thing is acting on your knowledge. Because a lot of us, regardless of whether we were born Muslim or whether we're new Muslim, one of the problems that we have is that our approach towards knowledge is we just want to gather knowledge. We just want to just get loads and loads of knowledge, but we don't ever act upon it. And on the day of judgment, you won't be asked about how much knowledge you had. You'll be asked about how much of your knowledge did you act upon. That is what the hadith says. About his knowledge, what did he act upon out of it? That's what you'll be asked about on the day of judgment. So it's not just about gaining knowledge for knowledge's sake, just to say that, oh, I know all about this. But it's about how much of that knowledge you put into practice. The third thing is the prayer. Because the Prophet said, the difference between us and the non-Muslims is the prayer. So whoever leaves it has disbelieved. So it's very important that we stick to our prayers and we take our prayers really, really, really seriously. And the fourth is having good people around you. And this is another vital sign that I look for in a new Muslim. If I see that they're continuously learning, and I see that they are acting on the knowledge, and I see that they're praying, at least their daily prayers, their, their obligatory prayers, and I see that they have good people around them, I don't worry about that person. I don't worry about that person in any way, shape, or form. Because I know that that person, inshallah, is going to be just fine. So I know that new Muslims go through a lot of issues, a lot of difficulties and problems and so on. And marriage is just one of them. And I hope, inshallah, to be able to do other webinars where we can share even more information about this. But I just wanted to start with those because I think that this is you know, critical advice for everybody. Continuous knowledge, putting it into practice, 
doing your prayers and having good people around you. And I think if you can get those, then inshallah ta'ala, you'll be just fine. Again, before I get into the, you know, the heart of the topic, uh, I just want to sort of talk a, a little bit about marriage in the Quran and the Sunnah. And like I said, I do have lectures on this topic, so I'm not going to go over it in too much detail. But also, it wouldn't be right for us to do a webinar on marriage and not speak about the basics of marriage in the Quran and the Sunnah. Um, I just want to talk about a little bit. So I, I'm just going to talk about a couple of passages from the Quran and a couple of narrations from the Prophet Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. So with regard to the Quran, probably the, the one passage, the one ayah that comes to mind and that just you know stands out when it comes to marriage is an ayah in Surah Al-Rum, the, the, the chapter that deals with the Romans or the Byzantines. And in this chapter, Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمَةً إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمٍ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, from the many signs of God, from the many signs of Allah, is that He has created for you, for, from yourselves, wives or spouses that you may find tranquility with them and live with them and he has placed between you love and mercy or affection and mercy indeed in this there is a sign for people who give thought so i just wanted to explain a couple of points First of all, Allah tells us that marriage is a sign from the signs of Allah. Marriage is a sign from among the signs of Allah. And it's something that we should praise Allah for and recognize the wisdom of Allah because of it. And this sign is that Allah has created men and women and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made one beloved to the other. And Allah has made a way that they can live together in such a way that brings them tranquility. And that's what a marriage should really do, right? A marriage should bring you tranquility. You should feel peaceful. You know, when you've had a hard day and you come home and you see your spouse, you should feel tranquility. You should feel at peace. You should feel sakina, you should feel at peace and tranquility. You should feel a state or a sense of tranquility. And Allah has placed between you mawadda. Arabic has a lot of words for love. It's a lot of words for love in Arabic. But the word chosen here is mawadda. And mawadda is, it's more than love. It's love and affection and friendship all rolled into one. Arabic is a very expressive language. So it's all rolled into one. It's, it's love and affection and friendship. And that's how a marriage should be. It should be built upon love and it should be built upon affection and care for each other. And it should be built upon friendship. And then Allah said affection or love and mercy. Rahmah, mercy. Love and mercy. And that's because for a marriage to be successful, husband and wife have to be merciful to each other. There has to be forgiveness and there has to be mercy and there has to be, you know, letting the issue of, of, of certain things, letting certain things go. And then Allah told us that in this, there is a sign for a people who reflect. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also told us in Surah An-Nisa, which is the chapter relating to, uh, about the women, and it's the fourth chapter of the Quran, in which Allah said, He's talking uh, about uh, an aspect of marriage, and he said that these men have given to 
their wives a weighty oath. A weighty oath. And that's something very serious. You know, Allah didn't describe marriage as something light, something, oh, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's only marriage, right? You know, it's marriage. It doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. Allah described it as a weighty promise, something heavy, غليظ. It's not light. It's not easy to, to, to just mess around with. It's that you've got to take it seriously. So that kind of tells us the importance of taking marriage seriously and taking the responsibilities and the promises that have been made and the rights of the husband and the rights of the wife seriously. And marriage is a religion which is, marriage is a, that Islam is a religion in which marriage is built upon rights. Islam is a religion in which marriage is built upon rights. It's not just, you know, like, I have a bit of the, you know, the sort of, I don't know whether to call it the Western or the Eastern concept of love, but definitely not the Islamic one. Let's call it the non-Islamic concept of marriage or the non-Islamic, because I think we, we sometimes call it Western, but I think the Eastern sense is just as bad. And it basically, we're talking about this idea of, you know, that the only thing that bonds us is just love. And it's just, you know, I fell in love and, you know, that's all that matters. And, you know, in reality, Islam is not like that. In Islam, marriage is built upon rights. It's about the fact that a husband has rights and a wife has rights. And no one is allowed to take the rights away from that wife or away from that husband. That's what Islam is about. That's why Islam doesn't allow relationships outside of marriage because they don't have any protection and they don't have any rights. So we have to take that seriously. Okay, a couple of narrations, just as we're still introducing the topic, really. A couple of, intro, of, of narrations from the Prophet Sallallahu peace be upon him. Uh, in one of them, he said, Ya ma'ashar al-shabab, man istata'a minkum al-ba'ata falyatazawwaj, fa'innahu aghaddu lil-basar, wa ahsanu lil-farj, wa man lam yastati' fa'alayhi bis-sawm, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he said, O group of young men, whoever among you is able to get married, let him do so. For this will be better for him to lower his gaze and to protect his chastity. And whoever is not able, then let him fast. For this will be a cutting off of his desires for him. So this was a hadith addressed to a group of young men. And that doesn't mean there are no lessons in it for a group of women. But typically, uh, often it's the, the young men that tend to be sort of, you know, chomping at the bit, so to speak, to get married. So the Prophet wasallam, peace be upon him, he addressed them and he said, oh, group of young men. Whoever of you is able to get married, let him do so. And that tells us that marriage is something we should all be considering and giving thought to. If we're not married, it's something we should be thinking about, we should be reflecting upon. O group of young men, whoever of you is able to get married, let him do so. And he gave two reasons. He said, it's going to lower your gaze and protect your chastity. So it's going to stop you from looking at the haram and it's going to stop you doing haram. And then he explained that some people are not going to be able to have enough money or enough or, or the, the, the circumstances are not right for them to be able to get married. So for those people, there is a temporary alternative. And that temporary alternative is to fast. Because fasting is something which reduces and cuts off people's desire to do something wrong. And that's obviously one of the major sort of protections that you get from getting married. Okay, what about a, a, a narration relating to, uh, relating to marrying a lady and the kind of qualities that you should look for? when marrying a lady. I'm just going to mention a couple of these. 
The Prophet, peace be upon him, said in an authentic hadith that A woman is married for one of four things. He said, a woman is married for one of four things. Some people marry a woman because she's rich. She's got money and he thinks he's going to get her money. And I suppose that could be said also for the other way around. Some people marry because of family reputation. She comes from a really good family. The problem is you're not marrying the family. You're marrying the woman, not the family. And some people, they marry because of beauty. She's particularly beautiful. And some people, they marry because of religious compatibility. Because of, because of the religious qualities that that person has. So the Prophet ﷺ, he said, so marry the person because of their religion. May you be successful. So he told us to marry because of religion. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Please do not message or call, as the following program is a rerun of a previous live show. Any announcements made during the repeat may now not be applicable. And that's when you think about it, religion is the only thing that lasts. Beauty, beauty comes and goes. I mean, generally, beauty declines with age, declines with, you know, various circumstances, various situations, health issues. Beauty is a, a very, you know, fickle and not very stable thing. Um, so, you know, maybe it could be said that beauty will always be there as long as the, the foundation of the marriage is there. That's probably true as well. But at the end of the day, basing a marriage purely on looks is not a good idea. And then you have family reputation. And as we said, family reputation isn't a great idea either because at the end of the day, you just don't know that the person, just because they come from an amazing family, doesn't mean they're going to be an amazing person. And just because they come from a family that is not so amazing, doesn't mean that they're not going to be an amazing person. And likewise, marrying uh, for wealth, wealth comes and goes. You're rich one day, you're rich one day, and you're poor the next. You know, you're poor one day and you're rich the next. Uh, that is something, uh, you know, which... Uh, uh, people, everybody can witness and everyone, everyone can know about. So what is left? Something which establishes real love. And, and love can be very fickle as well, you know, like, especially when you see, you know, when you see like teenagers dating and they fall in and out of love very, very quickly. They fall in and out of love very quickly. So, you know, like they're in love one day and they're fallen out of love the next. But the love that really lasts is a love that's based on something more serious than just a few emotions or, you know, you like the way the person looks, but a love that is based upon love of Allah and love of his messenger. Because if you love Allah and you love his messenger, peace be upon him, then you automatically love the people who love them. And if you love the people who love them and you find, and you find also on top of that, you find that you have compatibility in other areas and you like the way each other look and so on and so forth, then you're just gonna strengthen that love and strengthen it because the basic part of that love, the basic core of that love is loving Allah and loving his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, advising those uh, women and, and their, their guardians who, who, who uh, are supporting them to get married. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, if there comes to you someone and you are pleased with his religion and pleased with his character, then Marry that lady to him. 
And this is from the other side now, not from the side of the man looking for the woman, from the woman looking for the man. She's advised to look for two things. She's advised to look for, she's advised to look for uh, religion, as the man was advised to look for religion. And she's also advised to look for character. And that's because a man can be very, very religious, but that doesn't mean that he has a good character. It should mean that he has a good character, but practically you get people who are religious, but they're just not, you know, they're just not nice people. They're just not soft and caring and loving and considerate and all of those things that a man is supposed to be towards his wife. So it's about religion and it's also about character. And likewise, we have one more narration. The Prophet ﷺ said, He said, marry the one, the woman who is loving and will bear you many children. For indeed, I will boast of your numbers on the day of judgment. This also indicates, uh, this also indicates the, uh, the, or two of the qualities that a man should look for in a, in a woman that he wants to marry, she should be loving, you know? And that's a very, it's a very kind of emphatic expression, wadud, you know, someone who is really loving, really caring, you know, someone's really going to take care of him and really going to, really going to, you know, show him a lot of love and a lot of affection, a lot of care. And also someone who wants to have a lot of children. Because in Islam, one of the purposes of marriage is to have children and uh, bringing good Muslims into the world who are going to be a positive influence on this society is something praiseworthy and something that we should be aiming and trying to do. So that is just a very, very, very uh, brief and basic introduction to the topic of marriage before we get into the revert stuff. And I, I wanted to do that for a couple of reasons. I wanted to give everyone a chance to log on who hasn't logged on yet. You know, all those people who maybe were running a little bit late. Uh, I'm over here in, in Dubai right now. I'm just in, in the Islamic center. Um, and it's, I mean, it's pretty late over here. But there were a few people who maybe were just coming in late. So we've had a little introduction to the topic of marriage. And now we're going to get into the real heart of the conversation and really the practical sort of issues which relate to marriage. So what I've done is I've really divided this lecture probably into two, maybe into three different parts. The first one that I have, or the first thing that I want to talk about for the first part of this lecture is I want to talk about all the stuff that comes before marriage. So all the stuff that comes from looking for a spouse through to uh, the process of getting married uh, and, and all of that stuff that is before getting married. And then I want to deal with in the second part of the lecture, all the stuff that deals with after getting married. So really when we look at new Muslims and we look at the stage of before getting married, before getting married, one of the most important or one of the, one of the sort of three, I've, I've kind of come up with three very common scenarios. And through these scenarios, I want to kind of explain some of the best practice when it comes to, to getting married. So as I said in the promo video, really you get a lot of, you know, you get new Muslims divided into two groups. You get those who can't get married and those who have too much pressure to get married. And then you also get those who became Muslim because of marriage. They became Muslim or, or they, they embraced Islam because of the fact that they wanted to get married to a Muslim and you know, the Muslim said to them, look, I can't marry you until you become Muslim. So we've got these three different sort of scenarios. And within each one, we've got a lot of sub-scenarios as well. And that doesn't mean these are the only problems that new Muslims face, but I have a limited time. So I want to talk about some of the ones that I come across the most common. So let's talk about the ones who struggle to get married. What are some of the reasons why people struggle to get married. Not all of the reasons are external. You know, not all of it is because of other people. Maybe, maybe I can tell you a little bit about myself just to break up the lecture a little bit and just to give you a little bit of background. Um, you know, when I first became Muslim, uh, you know, by the time I started practicing, 
I had a lot of Muslim friends and people were so welcoming and kind and friendly and they would invite me into their home and they would, you know, they would prepare food. They were just, you know, they were just above and beyond what you would expect in terms of their hospitality and their kindness. And I kind of had the idea that that would sort of continue into marriage, you know, like that. So when I said to them, and I, you know, I would say to a few of the ones I was closest to that, you know, look, I've made a decision. I think it's time for me to get married. And uh, do you know of anyone? And the response was really, it was really quite shocking. It was, it was like, but <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, inshallah, make dua, make dua, brother, you know, just pray. And some of them outrightly said, there's no, I had people say in, in no uncertain terms, they said to me or they said about me, maybe not when I was there, but they said to other people, what, what good, what honorable family, what, what good family would ever give their daughter to an English guy, a white guy, basically. Because these were guys, these were people who were from another ethnic, a different ethnic background to myself. I go, Who's ever gonna Who's ever gonna give their daughter to someone like that? And that was the kind of reaction we got. Back. These are the same people who are like, "Brother, you're like family to me. You're like a son to me. Whatever you want, we will give you. Please come to our house in the day and the night, anytime you want." Okay, I'm, I'm thinking about getting married. Marriage? No, don't talk to me about marriage. Marriage, you need to find someone else. You need to find someone like you. You need to find someone who's one of your own people because you, 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 we can't. It would just be disgrace for us in the community for us to marry our daughters to someone like you. So that was my experience. And I think, you know, some of that might have been down to being in a city that's maybe not the, you know, the biggest number of Muslims, certainly not the, the, one of the larger ones, maybe a little bit slow to catch on, maybe a little bit backward in some things, possibly. It was a long time ago also. Uh, we're talking about, you know, over 15 years ago now, uh, maybe 16 years ago when this sort of thing was happening. So, you know, it's, it's not, uh, it, you know, maybe things have improved. And what I ended up doing is I had to go to a totally different city. And when I went to that other city, I still found that people were a little bit more open and a little bit more willing to consider, uh, even though it took, me, it took me quite a long time. It took me quite a long time to get married. And it was quite uh, a difficult process until I found my wife. And then it was, Allah made it very, very easy. Uh, and her family were very, very supportive and very kind. But prior to that, it was, a pretty, it was a pretty difficult and a pretty sort of, I don't think it stressed me incredibly because I wasn't at the stage where it was really, really urgent for me to get married, where I felt that I've got to get married tomorrow. But it was a state where I found it a little bit uh, troubling and a little bit kind of, yeah, maybe a little bit like I didn't really belong, you know, when you got that kind of reaction uh, from people. Okay. So let's talk about people who can't get married and some of the reasons why that might happen. Sometimes it's themselves. Sometimes, you know, they've been through a bad experience. Sometimes a bad experience with other, uh, perhaps a Muslim in the past. I've had cases where a Muslim has mistreated their spouse and then that spouse has felt very reluctant to get married even after they've decided to practice Islam properly. Uh, you have issues of cultural barriers because as a revert, most of the people you're looking to get married to are not from your same ethnic background and your same uh, culture exactly. They may be from the same city as you. They may be, um, you know, brought up in the same country as you. But generally, as a revert, often you will get cases where they come from different cultural backgrounds. And that means that maybe they're not really, you know, they're, they're a little bit insular and they're not looking to like sort of open up to a wider background. Sometimes it's because of the past. You know, most of us, we didn't become reverts at, you know, six years old at the end of the day. We had a situation where we had been adults uh, for a number of years before we embraced Islam. And my situation is a bit different because I became Muslim at 14, but generally a lot of people become, you know, if someone's becoming Muslim at 25, Someone's becoming Muslim at 30. Someone's becoming Muslim at 22, at 27. Do we really think that that person, is it realistic that that person has never been in a relationship or has never 
sort of had any sort of, uh, you know, past experience like that. In reality, a lot of people, I'm not going to say everybody, but a lot of people will have had some kind of past, which is, it can get in the way, it can be troubling, it can be difficult, and it can cause, it can cause problems. Sometimes it can cause problems for them in the sense that because of the way they've had relationships in the past, they don't want to, they don't want to get married. And sometimes it causes problems for the spouse because, you know, the spouse brings them and they're like, you know, so, you know, of course, uh, the spouse says, you know, I've, I, I've, I've never sort of been in a relationship before and, you know, I've always been practicing Islam from the first day and how about you? And the person's thinking, well, you know, I became Muslim at 25 years old. I lived my life before that. I lived my life as a teenager. I lived my life as a young adult. I, you know, I, I did what people do. So how can I, how am I supposed to explain that to somebody? That can be some of the problems. Sometimes the issues of stability within their own family, because marriage is something generally that you rely upon your, you rely upon your family to support you and to help you uh, and to really sort of be around you at that time. What do you do when you don't have that family to be around you? And that could be not having uh, a chaperone, that could be not having someone who will even go to the house because even as a guy, I mean, we talk about new Muslim ladies having an issue, but even as a guy, when you go to the house of a, a lady to, 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 to ask for her hand in marriage, you're supposed to go with your family. I mean, culturally, people expect you to go with your family. What do you do if your family don't support you? What do you do if your family are maybe are, are, are not even, you know, your family are even maybe that you have a danger from them. And sometimes the problem comes from the spouse's family that they're not willing to, you know, to, that the spouse is happy to marry, you know, that the two, the two people are happy to marry, but the spouse's family, they are not, you know, they're not settled on it. And sometimes the problem is finding someone. The issues of finding somebody and not being able to find the right person. So let me try and give you some solutions because this webinar is not about me telling you about all of the problems. It's also about telling you about the solutions. Okay, so let's first of all talk about people who are reluctant in themselves to get married. People who find a reluctance within themselves to get married. In my mind, one of the easiest and most important things is if you find yourself reluctant to get married, take it slowly. Don't feel that you need to get married tomorrow. Take it slowly do as much research as you can get as much knowledge as you can because knowledge getting knowledge has two benefits i mean first of all it teaches you the virtues of things and it teaches you how important things are and then that makes you dedicated and committed to actually you know making a change to yourself and your life knowledge can help you get over past experiences because you learn about the decree of allah and you learn about how to bring comfort to yourself when you feel down and you learn about how to pray and how to supplicate and how to get it answered. And all of those things can help a person who is reluctant to get married. So I would say for a person who's feeling reluctant in themselves, like that they are their biggest uh, obstacle, I would suggest that two things that are extremely important. Number one, continuously seeking knowledge and really reading up. There are some, I mean, one set of books I would really recommend, and I'm going to ask the admin just to put these on the chat, is the Marriage Series by Muhammad Al-Jibali. Muhammad Al-Jibali. And the Marriage uh, Series by Muhammad Al-Jibali is a series of four books which talk about getting married. Uh, there's, there's a one that talks about the rights of the husband and the wife. There's a one that talks about marital intimacy in Islam. And there's a one that talks about Children and they're just the most amazing, amazing set of books. May Allah uh, bless the author and give him uh, complete health uh, and recovery. He's, he's not very well at the moment. Uh, and uh, he really is, it's just an amazing set of books. So I would recommend everyone, you know, the knowledge that's going to motivate you and that's going to help you. And taking your time. Now, taking your time is a balance. Taking your time is a matter of balance. That what I mean by that is what often happens is people take so long and so much time that they end up at the end having, you know, they, they, they end up at the end marrying someone that isn't the person that they wanted to marry, right? Um, they end up 
sort of marrying someone who isn't really the person uh, that they want that they wanted to marry in the first place. So it's it's not about being picky, but it's about take it's about taking your time. It's a balance at the end of the day. Islam is is a balance. Allah subhanahu wa taala said, "وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطَاءً." Like this, we have made you a nation that is balanced, not on any extreme. We're not going to rush into something. Neither are we going to go so slowly that we end up passing by good opportunities, and instead we end up uh, in a situation where we are picking somebody that that isn't who we want to be with, that wouldn't be who we want to be with. What about issues of cultural, you know, cultural barriers and cultural difficulties? I mostly this tends to be a problem with not so much the person you're looking to get married to. Because probably you wouldn't be looking to get married to them if there was a cultural barrier there. But the problem often comes with their family and what you would be expected to do. And this brings to an interesting issue: Does Islam encourage cross-cultural marriage or not? And this is something that you hear different opinions about. You hear some people saying, "No, Islam says that it's better for you to marry someone who has a compatible culture with you." And others say, "How can you say that? If you said that, how will anyone who is a new Muslim get married?" So, what is the answer? In my opinion, the answer is somewhere in the middle. And what I mean by that is, I think that if you're going to marry into a family that has a particular culture, you should at least be aware of what that culture normally asks and entails, and at least have a bit of be a bit comfortable around it. You know, like I think that marrying into a different culture, when you don't know what the expectations are, and you don't know what the situation is, and you don't know what they expect of other people, even if your spouse said to you, "I will not ask you to do any of that," just be aware of culturally what's expected. You know, maybe if you have some friends who are from the same culture, talk to them, spend time with them. You know, because you realize that there are culturally specific things among different groups of Muslims. Which, if you're aware of them, at least you know what you're getting yourself in for. And if you're not aware of them, then really they can cause a problem. At the same time, I think it's ridiculous to say that people shouldn't have cross-cultural marriages. Otherwise, what are we rebirth supposed to do? I mean, apart from like I have to look around the whole world till I find, you know, like a rebirth that comes from the same cultural background as me. That's that's a difficult thing to do, and that's unnecessarily difficult. And our religion doesn't make things difficult for people. But I do believe. That you should be aware of the person's culture when you are going to get married to that person, and what that culture would normally expect you to do. Even if the spouse is easygoing, and the spouse says, "Look, I don't care about my culture. I don't know anything about it." But still, you should be aware of what the norms are, so that you know whether you can manage with that, whether you can't manage with that. And I give you a simple example. In many cultures, there's nothing to do with Islam. Islam has nothing to do with this. This is a cultural thing. In many, many cultures, it is the case that a wife is expected to live with and serve her husband's family, particularly his mother. This has nothing to do with Islam. Nothing to do with Islam. In fact, it is contrary to what Islam teaches, because Islam teaches that a lady has the right to her own accommodation. And that serving the mother is the husband's duty, not the wife's duty. Even though she can help him in it, that's great if she can help, but it's his responsibility, not hers. But in many cultures, it's expected that a woman will become basically a maid to her mother-in-law. And you have to, you know, if the guy is like, "Look, I'm not going to do that. I promise, I won't do it." But at the end of the day, if that's what the mother-in-law expects, it's something just to be aware of, right? Just to have an awareness of it. It's not a big deal. You can get over these issues. You can make it clear before you get married, and all of those things that this is not what I'm going to do, and so on. That's not a problem. But you got to be aware of these cultural issues. They don't connect to Islam. You're not going to find them by reading Quran or something like that. These are cultural things that relate to particular countries and backgrounds and ethnic backgrounds that people come from. So that's pretty important. Be aware of the different uh, the different cultures. With regard to not having support from your own family, it's very important that you have support from someone. I don't believe that anybody should be in the process of getting married and be on their own—not a man and not a woman. 
it should be that there is a certain degree of support, a close friend, ideally someone a little bit maybe more senior, a little bit somebody with maybe perhaps, you know, a little bit of knowledge if possible, uh, somebody who, um, you know, is uh, perhaps in a position where they can help. There are a lot of new Muslim centers. There are a lot of mosques uh, who can be helpful. Bear in mind, mosques can be helpful and they can be not helpful depending on how culturally orientated they are. But there are very specific services that can help new Muslims. And I'm sure the admin guys who are on the chat will do their very best to point you in the direction of centers and things like that that can support new Muslims in this. But I think that you should have some support. You should have some people around you who are going to help you and who are going to support you and who are going to kind of be a surrogate family a little bit for you in helping you to get married. I think that's really, really important. Now, I understand there can be somebody who's a new Muslim in, the, in a place where they don't have any other contacts. At least you have the internet. At least you can reach out to different people who can just be, you know, a sounding board for you and just you know, sort of help you through what is a pretty big decision to make uh, in your life. And I guess the, the, the last one on the can't get married is the issue of not being able to find someone. I think that there are different ways of finding someone to get married to. And uh, obviously, one of the most traditional ways is to find through the family. So we're going to presume that the reader doesn't have a family who's looking for them. I think there are two things that I would advise people to do, and I think this is pretty sensible advice. I think the first thing is tell as many people as possible that you're looking to get married. Who can help? Obviously, don't tell people who can't help. Tell as many people as possible who can help, because people know people who know people who know people. Unfortunately, we've come to the end of the show. This is all we could fit in for today's show, but inshallah, we will carry on with this topic for two other parts and where uh, Tim Humble can continue with the points he was covering. Please do join us for our live shows that are conducted by Luton Revert Group and Hockwell Ring Revert Circle. Uh, until then, please do take care of yourselves. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at Inspire FM Luton.